the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. I am Seth Liebson. Mr. Bill, it's good to see you back where you uh, usually toil. Mr. David Dahl, my producer, it's good to see you back where you usually toil after your uh, peregrinations throughout the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. We'll get an update on that in a little bit. Miss Terry, good to have you for the rest of you. 602 I was down at the state capitol earlier today doing some work on higher ed reform, uh, volunteer work, but nonetheless, uh, I think important work um, about what's going on uh, and what the legislature can do to help change a little bit of what's going on in our uh, universities here in Arizona, ASU, U of A, NAU particularly. I... um, mentioned yesterday and I had mentioned over the course of a couple few weeks that there was a segment on Dennis Prager's radio show took place I think on February 7th or 8th a couple weeks ago that just really grabbed me I was just driving around or driving into the work into work I guess it was and it was a caller an oppositional caller and it led to, I don't know, one of these moments that just really grabbed me. And I thought, you know what? This is a moment that needs to be recaptured and can't just go into the ether from radio microphone to radio airwaves to Nowheresville after that. It needs to be remembered. And it imparts lessons that I should say Dennis Prager imparts lessons that um, I just I just thought was really important for a little bit more settling, a little bit more um, more grasping and holding on to. And if you'll permit me, it's a few minutes. I use it instead of my monologue today. It illustrates again by it, Dennis illustrates a lot here. And I just wanted to talk with y'all a little bit about it. I was so taken by it. Hopefully you don't think I'm crazy for thinking that. This was an important moment, and I didn't want it forgotten. So bear with. Let's go to Matthew in La Habra, California. Hello. Hello, Matthew in La Habra, California. Hey, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. So I was a little concerned about all of this disinformation that you're putting out about the COVID vaccine. You're quoting Curious, which is the publication that has a peer review where they only give people like three days to do their peer review, which is unheard of in the scientific community. It's been rated as by librarians of Emory University as one of the two most dis, most disreputable public publications that there are. Mm-hmm. One of the two uh, so they retracted right. in January. Listen to this: in January mm-hmm. of 2024, they retracted 56 papers that they published. 
How many how many papers has Lancet retracted? I don't that know. That is the most prestigious yeah, science yeah, journal yeah, in the world. Lancet. Okay, but Lancet. Uh, what do you mean? Okay, but article? so so uh, no, it's a fair no. question I'm asking. Okay, so le- forget curious. Let me ask you a question. This is really important to me, which is why I went to your call. You're, you're trying to, you're telling people. You're right. Okay, so forget curious. I, I told people not to get vaccinated three years before I ever heard of curious. So I'm the issue, right. not curious. I'm just curious right. about you. Do you have children? Do you have children? I, I have a, yes, I have a child. How old is your child? I don't want to say exactly, but she's in elementary school. Oh, perfect. She's elementary. The number one student would, would, would you in get, her school. I, I salute she's you. Doing ninth, listen to me. She's in fourth grade doing <laughs> ninth grade math, and she's had every vaccine the minute that it's available. And, and she and, and, and her right. friends have all been vaccinated in a community at the Christian school. They're generally like... Okay, all right. So friends. look, this is a great moment where I could say I'm very happy for you and your child's success at school. It doesn't mean anything to me, but uh, but I, I, I'm not being cute. I don't rate kids by their academic achievements. Uh, and I'm sure she has a fine character. I'm not impugning her in any way. Let me just say, folks, for my caller and for everyone else, my motto, clarity, I prefer over agreement. He would vaccinate his child. I wouldn't. That's it. Okay. I hope, I pray nothing happens to his child. I don't know why he did it, but he did it. The, the record on every single aspect that is verifiable, like I wonder if the librarians, if they were the people that he cited at Emory University, were for school lockdowns. I'm willing to bet anyone, 10 to 1, $1,000 to 100, that they supported school lockdowns. Whose, whose track record is better, mine or theirs? Anyone who supported school lockdowns damaged children and had no reason to do so. Especially given the fact that not one school in Sweden was shut down the entire time for children under 16. Okay? And they did fine. Track record is everything, my friends. The only way you know. How do you know whether I'm right or wrong? I have a track record of 40 years on radio. Tell me when I was wrong on any major issue in 40 years. And I've taken a lot of controversial issues. I almost never agree with the New York Times. One of us has a crappy track record. One of us has a great track record. That matters. Okay? You got a lot more misinformation in the New York Times or the L.A. Times or the Washington Post or CNN than on the Dennis Prager show. We get no misinformation. Find me when I was wrong in 40 years. I know I made mistakes, but tell me when I was wrong on a major issue. Where the left was right. That's even more appropriate. Yeah, there's such a thing as a track record, my friends. I got a damn good one. And you know why? Very simple. Because I think rationally, and all I care about is truth. 
I have no interest in being popular. I have no interest in being wealthy. I have no interest in being honored by Pulitzer Prizes. I have no interest in them. I crap on all of them. The Pulitzer Prize is a wasteland. It is a moral idiocy. That's why I answer to God, not to popularity. Damn liberating aspect of one's life. I got to meet my maker. So I don't go, wow, everybody believes what the New York Times says, so I will too. That's not how you determine truth. Look at their track record. Two years of bloody lies about the collusion with Russia and the Trump campaign. Never apologized. They never apologized for lying to you about Stalin's Holocaust-like famine in Ukraine. They lied. Walter Durante, their star reporter, was wined and dined and sent call girls at his apartment in Moscow while Ukrainians were eating people because there was nothing else to eat. Their track record on the Holocaust was despicable. They reported almost nothing. And Jews read the New York Times as, what was her name, Judith, what was her name, the first woman managing editor of the New York Times. There was a, and I'll never forget. Jill. Huh? Jill Abramson. Jill Abramson, I think, yeah, right. Yeah, look it up. I'll never forget when she was appointed, she's a Jewish woman. Well, she wasn't very Jewish, but she was a Jew. Yeah, Jill Abramson. Jill Abramson? Yeah. And she said, in our house, the New York Times was the Bible. They took that down afterwards. That was the most true thing she ever said in her life. You have a choice, basically, in life. Do you believe the Bible or the New York Times? That's what it really comes down to. Yeah. I, I know where I made my choice. It's worked out really well. So why don't you ask next time you hear one of us and someone on the left, what's your track record on truth-telling? I want to come back on that. We'll be right back. Just a small town dude with a big city attitude. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 508 0960 coming to you live from the 960 broadcast studios brought to you by the veteran owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. We'll get to David's trip in a few moments. I want to spend some time on that uh, remonstration by Dennis, Dennis Prager to that caller who wanted to critique a source Dennis had cited. And, um, Boy, Dennis said a lot there in about seven minutes. Let's work a little bit in reverse about how liberating it is that he said he um, he knows that his main motivation in life is that he has to meet his maker someday. He doesn't have to meet the editorial board of the New York Times. And there are too many people 
who have replaced, and he quoted one of them, he used to work at the New York Times, quoted one of them who said the New York Times was our Bible. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of traveling on an airplane on a Sunday, and you see this more on the East Coast than you do around these parts, but if you travel I, I saw this so many times. I saw it on Amtrak and I saw it on airplanes when I lived back east. On a Sunday, you will see conjuries of people who have the Sunday New York Times with them. And they read it with such excruciating detail. It is observably noticeable that they are reading it like believers would read the Bible. That Sunday New York Times is, in fact, more than just Jill Abramson's Bible. The philosopher Leo Strauss, political philosopher Leo Strauss, once wrote, the reading of the morning prayer has been replaced by the reading of the morning paper. Not every day the same thing, the same reminder of man's absolute duty and exalted destiny, but every day something new with no reminder of duty and exalted destiny. Specialization, knowing more and more about less and less. The practical impossibility of concentration upon the very few essential things upon which man's wholeness entirely depends. The specialization compensated by sham universality, by the stimulation of all kinds of interests and curiosities without true passion, the danger of universal philistinism and creeping conformism. Creeping conformism. That's what you heard from that caller to Dennis who was challenging him. Creeping conformism. He made the point about his daughter being at a Christian school where the moment a vaccine became available, elementary school, I believe he said, the moment a vaccine became available, they took it. You know, I'd be curious to know where she was going. I used to uh, stroll around those parts of town, and many of those schools, he mentioned a Christian school, uh-huh. many of those elementary schools were uh, somehow related to one of my alma maters. Do you want to mention it? Should I? Go ahead. For fear of retribution Yeah, what are they going to do to you? What are they going to do? you got to meet your maker, not the board of trustees of your alma mater. No, I'm curious because uh, I was involved in uh, a couple of youth um, theater programs that Biola University subsidized at the local schools. There was even a uh, Biola Youth Academy locally. So I would be curious if his daughter was at one of those. Yeah, well – there during presence in that area. well before before your tenure here david uh throughout twenty twenty one throughout twenty twenty one when the vaccines and throughout um twenty twenty with regard to masks but throughout twenty twenty one once the vaccine regime came upon us uh we fielded just a ton of calls from parents who went whose kids went to parochial schools. And the parochial schools, not all of them, but a lot of them, were just adamantine about this stuff. And parents were pulling their hair out. Because on the one hand, they liked a lot of what was going on in those schools. But they certainly 
found that the regimented orders for the mitigations of COVID over a population that was not seriously affected or even moderately affected by COVID was not only obtrusive, but offensive. And, um, and it, it makes you actually step back a moment, too, about what a school does, like what the New York Times does, or your belief in something a little higher or a lot higher, as Dennis was talking about the Bible versus the New York Times. What is the culture of a school that is exquisite in its teaching of, let's say, math or science, if you will, but morally and intellectually um, damned and damnable and contemptible when it comes to teaching lessons of life. And the more important things, knowing more and more about less and less, as Leo Strauss put it, where they miss the entire boat of the purpose of teaching when they teach these lessons about what they did with kids during COVID. What is the purpose of a school? What is the lesson you're imparting to the kids? What is the lesson you're imparting to parents? What is the lesson you're imparting to the community? Might be a little more important than your ability to mem memorize the periodic table or to do long division or any kind of mathematical equation. The uses of which in life are not to be dismissed, but the uses of which in life are far less frequent than the larger lesson you're teaching the student, the parent, and the community by what you are teaching with your COVID paranoia and your COVID fear and your adamantine policies regarding COVID over and against children. And, by the way, physically healthy adults without comorbidities. I want to pick up on more of what Dennis said in that. There was a lot in that seven minutes, and we've only just scratched the surface. We'll come back in just a moment. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, broadcasting to you live from the 960 Patriot Studios, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group your trusted source for precious metals. I think we can eliminate that song, Young David. We've only just begun. Uh, we're always needing to make room for new music. Let's put in Something Good by Huey Lewis or something. Something Good by Huey Lewis yeah. in the News. Yeah, yeah, something yes. from Huey Lewis in the but News. You can't tempt me. You said we've only just begun to scratch the surface of Dennis Prager's segment, and so I oh, had okay. to All right. throw some okay. Paul Williams and the Carpenters in there. You, you, you listen closely. Yeah, Paul Williams wrote that. We, um, we were attracted to that song. For an interesting reason, not just because Paul Williams wrote it, but it's one of the few songs that actually was first a commercial rather than the other way around. Most popular music that you see and hear on commercials is first a popular song and then adopted 
for a commercial. I mean, I don't know any number of examples. Like a Rock, I suppose, by Bob Seger for Chevy Trucks. It was first a hit for Bob Seger. But that was actually a commercial song Paul Williams wrote for the Crocker Bank in California. And uh, this commercial, you can see it on YouTube. It's an interesting, actually, case study in the Times. I don't know, David. When did that commercial come out? 1974 or two or three? Oh, we've only just begun. It's older than that. It's about 1970. Okay, so it would have been around 69 or 70. 70. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So Crocker Bank commercial, it's a couple getting married at a church by a priest and the song is We've Only Just Begun, and it's for the bank, Crocker Bank, which is helping them uh, finance their first house, this young married couple's first house. <clears throat> and if you go watch that commercial, by the way, you would realize that you will never see a commercial like that today. You will never see a commercial today where you have a young couple, man and woman, being married in a church by a priest. Um and then going off on their lives. It's kind of a sign of the times. Um, We were lamenting, who was I lamenting it with? The other day, maybe in a monologue? The Yeah, it was in a monologue. The decline in the marriage rate here in America. It's never been as low as it is today. And so too, church attendance. None. None is the most popular answer, according to the latest Pew survey on religion and public life, as to what religious affiliation you have. Catholic versions of Protestants, versions of uh, Judaism, which would never rank up there anyway because it's only, what, 2% of the population, but as between variations, and certainly Muslim is about the same, variations of Christian, none is the biggest of, a- of answers. Do you know that, David? No, I, I find Does it, surprise uh, you? very harrowing, I suppose is the right word. Yeah. It really does reflect upon, it's, of course, the Breitbart question, does politics flow up or downstream? Do political ideals flow up or downstream from right. religion? Right. And, and um, the statistic that is even more harrowing than that, I think, is that more people have left the church in the last 30 years, a generation, the last 30 years, more people have left the church than joined it in the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and every Billy Graham crusade combined, all three of those indicia. More people have left the church in in the last generation then joined it as a result of the First and Second Great Awakenings and every Billy Graham crusade. Yes, sir. So here's my question, as I related earlier. Is the political climate directly to blame yes. for the disaffiliation of people yes. from the church? Yes. Or is the disaffiliation of people from the church? It's, it's to my mind, let's open it up to the climate. audience. Yeah, let's, let's open it up to the audience. I will tell you, I think it's mutually... Um, mutually uh, I was going to say reinforcing, but it's really not a reinforcement. It's a decimation. It's, re- it's, it's mutually decimating because, yes, they have changed our politics through the culture, 
But politics, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg. Politics has is the explanation for so much of the decline of the church as well. We'll, we'll come back on all this and take your calls as well. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. This is Seth Leapson here for my friends from the Midas Gold Group War Room. The MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank. But the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank. That belongs to you. This is your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do, a controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete and utter control of our transactional freedoms. Protect yourself. Turn this wake-up call into a phone call to veteran-owned Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. That's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful. Midas Gold Group. MAGA and proud of it. Let's go to Tim, who's somewhere on a freeway. Hi, Tim. (laughs) Howdy. That's what it says. Uh, Tim. It says Tim Freeway. It doesn't say Carefree Highway. It doesn't say I-10. It says Tim Freeway. Uh, Chandler Freeway going to Mayfair. There you go, sir. There you go. Welcome. You actually probably heard me call in to Bill Bennett uh, 10, 15 years ago with the same story. Okay. Because you were you were working with him. Yeah. And I was a regular, frequent listener to y'all. No kidding. You were an time. early riser, huh? Yes, and still am. Okay. And, and so I was serving uh, a ministry at Adobe Prison, juvenile prison, and there was a, a bishop in there, Bishop Barnwell. He passed away about a half a dozen years ago. And in his office, he had pictures of Martin Luther King Jr. And him, there were there him side, beside him and numerous pictures. But it took me a couple of years. This was during the Clinton administration. And he was the first black president, et cetera, et cetera. And it took me a couple of years to get the nerve to ask him this question. And we were sitting alone one time, waiting for the security to get us, to, to, to escort us out. And I asked him, Bishop, uh, can I ask you a question? And he called everybody, son. He goes, go ahead, son. Anything you want. And I go, them pictures in your office with Martin Luther King Jr. And he instantly, his countenance, his, his demeanor just dropped. Yeah. And he goes, what's your question, son? And he goes, what happened? I go, isn't it supposed to be about content of character instead of color of skin? And, again, his demeanor continued to drop, and he goes, yeah, they took it. And I go, I don't understand. He goes, the young leaders throughout the content of character were color of skin for a political agenda, and, and, and they threw it out. And he goes, they took it. When he when he was killed, they took it and completely changed the agenda. And and from that point on, I, I he and we spent more time talking about this. From that point on, I I, I uh, using Rush Limbaugh's uh, terminology, I could I could you know I could read these people like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. I I see them from a mile away their agenda because they've never let it go from that point on. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I've listened to your show and listened, uh, et cetera. And I just go, you know, this is what's going on. And doesn't anybody see it? But maybe not. 
So you would agree with – well, first of all, I have one qu- – well, let me do it this way. So you would agree with me that – and it's only a tentative position I have right now. Um, you would agree with me that it's, it's, it's a mutual decimation. It's politics has infiltrated the church as yeah. partly explanational towards the issue of why – church is taken so less seriously or religion is taken so less seriously and why society thus takes it. I mean, politics has infected. I, what's his name? Wrote a whole book on this. I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Forgive me. But right. The, the crisis of the, the church day, in America. Yes, yes, yes. There was and in today. Uh, 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 Al Sharpton. Yes. Et cetera. You go down right. the list. Right. They had no problem pushing politics in their church. But the other churches really struggled to try to stay neutral, and I'll just say try to stay uh, Jesus-like. Yeah. Okay? And yeah. then this goes on today. Yeah. And we and in my own church, uh, there's do you, some— do you, Tim, do you think a church should stay neutral on major issues? Uh, I, I personally believe they should be bold and speak and, and related to the Bible right. as close as they conceivably can, right. can get. Right. And be very clear on where that stands. Right. And let the chips fall where they may. Right. And what I have a hard time understanding is how synagogues, as much as churches, and maybe more so, I think synagogues, temples, Jewish temples and synagogues are probably even more political than churches these days. I don't know how they can have the politics that they have while calling themselves institutions that supposedly are based on what the Bible teaches the Torah or the Bible teaches. I don't understand it, because they have made politics more important. Liberalism in Judaism is more important than God for far too many, and I I believe that to be, with no disrespect, I believe that to be true in Christianity as well. Yes. Okay. Our our human condition, we can rationalize anything. You pick it, we can rationalize it. And that's the sad part, And but if we're not aware of that, if we don't admit it, if our pride covers it up in our in our eyes, in our heart, in our mind, uh, we can do anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, in, in numerous churches, there's been little political agendas, and I will say the woke agenda has really divided it. Well, the thing okay. that's so—the thing that is so diamagnetic about this— is that a lot of this was justified. I mean, of course, people held these views and maybe kept them to themselves or bit their tongues, but a lot of it was justified on the notion that this will open up churches, synagogues, and temples to a wider, you know, audience. If we're less, if we're, if, if we're, if we're less, um, if, if we're less uh, strenuous, if we're, if we're less didactic, about some of these hard principles, more people will join. Quite the opposite is what has happened. When you, well, you know, there's a reason again, people get, want to get into Princeton, it, you know, the qualifications. They start attacking yeah. the person. Right. You call them racist, bigot, homophobe. You right. go down the list. Nobody wants to be called that. I've, I've literally become immune to it. Call me anything you want. It doesn't really matter. You you don't matter. Your opinion don't matter uh, that... that I'm tall, skinny, fat, purple, you know, et cetera. Yep. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's what's inside. Hey, and Tim. It's what I teach my daughters. Uh, bless and you. That's what God, I believe in. God love you. I, I do have one other question for you. Yes. You said you called in often to the Bennett show when I was 
back in the day? I wouldn't say often, but I I probably made it half a dozen times over the years. How many times have you called this show? This is the first time. Well, what the heck? It's a local call, Tim. I I actually tried to. My daughter was with me, and I said, if they if they this was a, a week or two ago. It's a local I, call. I remembered the number this time. You said it just a few minutes ago, and I punched it in. I thought I had it in a different number. All right. And uh, you, the other day with my daughter, she she she, uh, you didn't say it, and I said, uh, I said, look up Seth Leeson. Look up uh, the, the station. I, I got to go to a commercial. A Put it in your contacts. Now you have it. And for the rest of the Philistines, 602-508-0960. Drive safely. Godspeed. Keep on trucking, Tim. We'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by our friends at Y-Refi. They have a great investment opportunity in a secure and collateralized portfolio that really invests you with flexibility and control where you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees. You get a monthly statement with no surprises. And best of all, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's not correlated to the stock market or the fed, a 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. It's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. The proprietor at a restaurant I like very much, um, the Tavern at the Orchard and Lucy's, um, has been sending me some... uh, some uh, texts here that are just uh, really brilliant, but it uh, reminded me that, you know, we put in a kind word now and again for places that really do an extraordinary job, and uh, they're not sponsors or anything like that. We just like saluting jobs well done. If you're looking for a great place to grab a cup of coffee or a bite to eat, we, uh, we really like the tavern at the Orchard and Lucy's around here. You can find me there often. Why are you smiling, young David? I'm smiling because you have not invited me out to this place yet. Yeah, well, it's like a city of refuge for me. A city of refuge? Yeah, we need them, don't we? You need places to run away from me? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I know where you live. Uh, Do you? Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) What did I serve you, hot dogs? Yes, yes, you did serve me hot dogs. and I Was it a 4th of July party I did? Yes, it was the 4th of July. It was the day before the 4th of July. Was Jeff Taylor there, too? Yes, he was. Yes, we're taking it back. Yeah, and Dagny. Mm -hmm, Of course. She's the hottest dog I know. Yeah. You missed a great story about dog walking yesterday. I want to come back to this Prager thing, though. Um. And I want to get your stories from Washington, D.C., too, we'll by the it. way. Um, the, that Prager call, it, there's so much more in there. So the point he said and made about not interested in Pulitzers, God love him for saying that. I think he said these organizations like the Nobel Prize, the Pulitzer Prize, they have fouled their own nest. So this caller is blaming Dennis because he's not, you know, reading peer-reviewed things that are rewarded by institutions like the Pulitzer. The Pulitzer, by the way, which among other things, gave Nicole Hannah-Jones its award for journalism in history after the New York Times had to 
quietly in the cover of darkness correct, correct on their own accord, based on history, what she won the Pulitzer Prize for. They foul that Yasser Arafat wins the Nobel Peace Prize. Elie Wiesel says, I'm in the club with this guy? And people on the left think institutions like that are more important than character and integrity and truth. A lot more to do. 602 We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.